spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. What did the president know? And when did he know it? The late great Senator Howard Baker Jr., June 1973. Baker, then the leading Republican on the committee, investigating the Watergate scandal surrounding President Nixon. I don't mean to imply that we're at a level that matches or mirrors or is anywhere close to Watergate, but it is the question. It is the question being asked today. I said in the immediate aftermath, I think I said this on Friday, I said we're going to know the intel. The intel reports will come out sooner or later. I didn't anticipate that it would be sooner But that is today because the CIA apparently warned of a rapid Afghanistan collapse, raising the question of why the White House got it so wrong. And as a result, I think the big story today is that the finger pointing has begun. The uh, recriminations recriminations are upon us. Does that sound awkward? It does. Um, People are blaming one another. And the data is trickling out. And there are two stories that are bringing a lot of light onto this subject. One of them is from NBC, a four-person byline led by Ken Delanian, who will be here momentarily. The other, front page of the New York Times, three-person byline led by Mark Mazzetti. He's been a frequent guest here in the program in the past. Um, The takeaway from NBC that the CIA had warned of exactly this scenario. The quick collapse of the Afghan government, which then occurred, open is the question as to whether the president received the most dire of warnings. And these warnings came just as the president was pushing back against questions that there might be a rapid collapse. I'm referring to the July 8 presser, which I think is is going to take on great significance as we parse through all the details of this. And also now the administration and the national security agencies are engaged in a blame game. So that's what's going on from the NBC perspective. Ken will be here in just a moment. The Times story is more granular. The Times story presents the same general picture. Oh, by the way, the headline is not a headline you want to see uh, if you're at the White House this morning. Page one above the fold, contradicting Biden reports warned of rapid collapse. And what it says, the time story, is that over the summer, the predictions became more dire by July, although we don't know when in July, but by July there were questions as to whether the Afghan government would put up any kind of a fight. 
there also seems to have been a long-term consensus that the Taliban is going to take over. What was subject to debate was when. How long can the Afghan government hold out? How long, not whether. They can't. And it seems like everybody knew that. The NBC lead, quote, as the Taliban began seizing provinces across Afghanistan in recent weeks, the CIA's intelligence assessments began to warn in increasingly stark terms about the potential for a rapid total collapse of the Afghan military and government current and former U.S. officials told NBC News. In the end, the CIA's description of what a worst case scenario could look like, quote, was pretty close to what happened. One former official briefed on the matter said the White House won't confirm whether President Biden ever received such a dire forecast from his national security team. The president himself appeared to dispute a month ago that the intel suggested the increasing likelihood that the Afghan military would fold, which is why I'm, I'm asking the question, what did he know and when did he know it? That this information was was known to the intel community seems pretty darn clear from the NBC report and the Times report and from other reports. So it's no longer sounding like an intel failure. It sounds like everybody knew it and knew that it was going to happen. Was that information communicated to the commander in chief? And if so, did he decide to act anyway? Now, here's the lead from The New York Times today on this same subject. Classified assessments by American spy agencies over the summer painted an increasingly grim picture of the prospect of a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan and warned of the rapid collapse of the Afghan military, even as President Biden and his advisors said publicly that that was unlikely to happen quickly, according to current and former American government officials. By July, everybody now focusing on July, Many intel reports grew more pessimistic, questioning whether any Afghan security forces would muster serious resistance and whether the government could hold on in Kabul, the capital. President Biden said on July 8th that the Afghan government was unlikely to fall and that there would be no chaotic evacuations of Americans similar to the end of the Vietnam War. The drumbeat of warnings over the summer raised questions about why the Biden administration, officials and military planners in Afghanistan seemed ill prepared to deal with the Taliban's final push into Kabul, including a failure to ensure security at the main airport and rushing thousands more troops back to the country to protect the United States final exit. One report in July. As dozens of Afghan districts were falling and Taliban fighters were laying siege to several major cities, laid out the growing risks in Kabul, noting that the Afghan government was unprepared for a Taliban assault, according to a person familiar with the intel. What did the president say on July the 8th? I don't know who the female reporter was who asked this question, but but this is the exchange that is now being parsed. Mr. President, thank you very much. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. Is it? Can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not? That is not true. They did not. They did, did not reach that conclusion. So, what is the level of confidence that they have that it will not collapse? The Afghan government 
and leadership has to come together. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government in place. The question is, will they generate the kind of cohesion to do it? It's not a question of whether they have the capacity. They have the capacity. They have the forces. They have the equipment. The question is, will they do it? And I want to make clear what I made clear to Ghani, that we are not going to walk away and not sustain their ability to maintain that force. We are. We're going to also work to make sure we help them in terms of everything from food necessities and other things in, in, in the region. But, but there is not a conclusion that, in fact, they cannot defeat the Taliban. I believe the only way there's going to be, this is now Joe Biden, not the intelligence community, the only way there's ultimately going to be peace and security in Afghanistan is that they work out a modus vivendi with the Taliban and they make a judgment as to how they can make peace. And the likelihood there's going to be one unified government in Afghanistan controlling the whole country is highly unlikely. An important detail from the Times reporting, once you're far into this front page story, one senior administration official who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss the classified intelligence reports said that even by July, as the situation grew more volatile, intelligence agencies never offered a clear prediction of an imminent Taliban takeover. The official said their assessment were also not given a high confidence judgment. That's the agency's highest level of certainty. As late as a week before Kabul's fall, the overall intel analysis was that a Taliban takeover was not yet inevitable, the officials said. Officials also said that around the time of Mr. Biden's July remarks, where he called the Afghan leaders, called on them to come together, he and aides were privately pressing them to make concessions that the intelligence reports had indicated were necessary to stave off a government collapse. All right. The NBC report, as I said, written by one, two, three, four different authors. The lead among them was Ken Delanian. Hey, Ken, it is so great to have you back on the program. I appreciate you allowing us to intrude on your day. Oh, Michael, hey, hey, great to be here. Thanks a lot. So in the first 48, 72 hours, I was thinking this was quite an intel failure. Now comes your four-person byline for NBC News front page of the New York Times. In addition, three-person byline, Mark Mazzetti has the lead on that, that seems to suggest otherwise. Do tell. Yeah, look, it's a complicated picture, and I think one thing I've learned covering intelligence over the years is, as a journalist, you have to be humble about this. We have not seen these classified intelligence. We're, we're reflecting what our sources are telling us. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the picture is a lot more complicated than it first appeared. It's pretty clear to us that the CIA, which has always been more pessimistic about Afghanistan and our progress there and, and the capabilities of the Afghan forces, they were reporting, particularly as we got closer to like a month ago, that they were reporting that the possibility of a total collapse of the Afghan military and a Taliban takeover was one of a range of possibilities. And, and in the worst case scenario, it could happen really, really fast. That doesn't mean they predicted it. That's not how intelligence works, right? But they, that was certainly a scenario that was sketched out. Um, and uh, I, it, we also understand that the military, or at least some military officials, were slightly more optimistic. So the Biden White House was getting conflicting signals. But clearly, you know, he, Joe Biden, unlike Donald Trump, is a president who 
gets a presidential daily brief every day. He gets a written intelligence product. He gets briefed. So he would have known what the CIA was saying. Um, and, and look, he made this decision eyes wide open. He, he, and, and, and they're saying that now. You know, he, Biden said it himself, and the White House is saying, we plan for every contingency. Now, within that, clearly, <laughs> there was some surprise, because you got, you got to say to yourself, would the president have gone to Camp David if he knew that you know, Kabul was about to fall? That seems unlikely. There were some things that the government did that made it seem like some people were surprised. But the intel sources that we're talking to and, and congressional officials who are also briefed on the intelligence are telling us that there was plenty of warning. There was plenty of reason to know that this scenario could play out the way it did, Michael. And it seems like the intel community is taking umbrage at the idea that they were caught flat-footed, which is to the benefit of of reporters such as Ken Delanian, because it's now giving you the fodder to tell the story. In other words, they, they don't like the perception that they were caught unaware. Oh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, this is not the Trump administration, you know, where it's just a nest of vipers and people are leaking to for personal reasons and you know they, they there's a real balancing act here because the people we're talking to they don't want to undermine the president in the white house they work for those people but at the same time they're protecting their institutional interests absolutely and they resented the idea that uh you know immediately the the the, the narrative was massive intel failure how did we you know how was this screwed up and by the way i talked to not only american officials but non-american officials who who collect intelligence in Afghanistan, who's told me exactly the same thing. Like, we knew this was going to happen. This was not a surprise. Don't let anybody tell you there was an intel failure. And former CIA officials who have uh, one particular guy named Doug London, who at one point was the head of counterterrorism operations in Afghanistan, he has said publicly, and he told me, look, we've been saying this for years, that, you know, in the absence of American forces and American air cover, this thing could go badly very quickly. So, Ken, before bringing you on the air, I played for my audience the July 8 presser, and, and we're parsing that audio now, which you quoted in your piece, you know, the president pushing back on the idea that there would be a rapid collapse. That's not true. They didn't reach that conclusion. What thoughts do you have as you now listen to what he said in response to that question? You know, my colleague, Mike Memley, who's been covering Joe Biden for years, uh, went back and, and tried to get to the root of that statement and did the best reporting he could talking to a lot of different people. And he didn't get definitive answers. But at the end of the day, it really looks like that was almost more like the way Biden wished the world would be rather than the way he knew it actually was, that he was trying to be an inspirational leader and not undercut uh, the Afghan government. There was a whole there was a lot of concern about a crisis of confidence. You know, that's why they're saying they didn't evacuate all these poor Afghan translators and others whose lives are now in danger, why they didn't do it before troops left, because the Afghan government was saying, if you do that, you're going to usher a collapse. And in fairness to them, that's, if, if the government had collapsed after the United States did that, we would all be blaming the Biden administration for, you know, for bringing this about. So, but I think his positive comments or his, his sort of statement that, hey, you know, the, the Afghan troops are going to fight, they've got 300,000 forces, was really just wishful thinking and because he's been criticizing this buildup for years and and he's been the one voice in the obama administration for example who was saying don't no more troops this this is folly ken 
the PDB, you know, that acronym became known to Americans in a 9-11 context because we all learned that a month before September 11, there was a PDB. In fact, I, off the top of my head, remember the title of it, Bin Laden Determined to Strike in the United States. In this case, do you think there's going to be the emergence of a document, a briefing, where the president was told this is likely to happen if you pull out now? I hope so, Michael. I, I think 9-11 was such an epic event that we saw a lot more intelligence than we ever normally see because of the 9-11 Commission and because of the desire to get to the bottom of what happened. I, you know, I'm not sure that we're going to see this specific PDB or series of PDBs that, that reported out this, but we'll get more clarity. Um, and I think, again, you know, as I said at the top, it's going to be a nuanced picture. I don't think the CIA covered itself with glory here. I think they, like they always do, they caveated. Right. And, you know, right? so, so that, that it was hard to interpret exactly when they were saying that the capital of Afghanistan was going to fall to the Taliban. But I think uh, we'll learn more about the fact that there was plenty of reporting and plenty of evidence here. And look, anybody who's read the reports of the Special Inspector General uh, over Afghanistan over the last 10 years would know that the Afghan military was rife with problems and that there were real questions about whether they would fight. And anyone who watched Iraq in 2014 uh, would know that as well, based on our experience there. So. Okay, fi- final and final point that that takes me exactly where I wanted to go. There's a paragraph in the Times story, and I'm reading your reporting and the Times reporting in tandem today because I think they tell a full picture. And the paragraph in the Times says intelligence agencies have long predicted an ultimate Taliban victory, even before President Donald J. Trump and Mr. Biden decided to withdraw, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like the question here was a question of when not weather, that the intelligence was telling a consistent story that the Afghan government is not going to be able to hang on. Yeah, that's right, Michael. And, and there were larger systemic reasons for that going back years. And then there were sort of immediate reasons about President Ghani being unwilling to negotiate and cut deals with warlords or with the Taliban. But yeah, I mean, when I talk to especially CIA people who've been in the country, they say, Look, this Our whole nation-building endeavor over there was folly. The culture, I mean, it was always going to repel the foreign occupier. One CIA person said to me, if you were to craft the the perfect Afghanistan fighting force, it would be the Taliban. That's why we armed them against the Soviets in the 80s, this wasn't the thing. So this this government and this military that we created um, was never willing to fight for what they viewed as a corrupt foreign puppet government. Ken, thank you. That was excellent. I really appreciate your contribution. Great to be with you, Michael. Thanks a lot. It's Ken Delanian from NBC News, and it leads me perfectly to today's survey question, because putting together all the reports that are known now and what I heard from Ken, what I anticipated I would hear from Ken having read his piece, uh, it was not, as I said just a moment ago, a question of whether the Afghan government could maintain power. They couldn't. And everybody knew it. As the reporting says, intelligence agencies have long predicted the ultimate Taliban victory. It was a question of when. And that's why I'm asking in the survey question, should the U.S. have left Afghanistan even if intel predicted the collapse of the the Afghan government? Meaning, we knew it was going to happen. Does that mean we shouldn't have left? I would argue not. Meaning, that in and of itself should not have stopped us from vacating. If the inevitability was well known to the intel community, then you got to get out sooner than later. 
Hope it doesn't get even more ugly now that we're gone. But to me, that's not in and of itself a justification for staying longer. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.